It's time to stop reimagining things and actually start changing them. Tune in to Recalibrate with Samsung, where we'll discuss how technology is changing the way we work, connect, and live our lives. On today's episode of Recalibrate, we're rejoined by Reed S. Stryker with Samsung B2B Marketing, as well as Dr. Simon Locke, CTO of RG Nets. We've also got a first-time guest, Ray Cooey of Samsung B2B. All three jump in the studio to talk the evolution of radio, bandwidth versus reach, and the impact of volumetric imagery. Now here's your host, Jason Claybrook. The last couple times we were on, good morning, good afternoon, good night. Hi, how's everybody doing? Ray Cooey, Simon RG Nets, Reed. Dr. Reed. Yes. We, um, it's funny, this Saturday we were talking about my lack of interest in Game of Thrones because I've never watched an episode. And our friend Keith Fuentes just shook his head sadly at me and told me I was a failure in life for not watching. (laughs) And just before turning the mics on, turning the cameras on here, Simon started giving us a great example using Game of Thrones, and I had this little bit of a power down moment because I, I get lost every time. I know there's dragons in there now, but um, you know, skip the storytelling for a minute. Let's go talk about game bandwidth product and your example of carrier pigeons and ravens. Jump right in. And horses. Huh? Horses. There's horses. There's horses, there's horses too, yeah. a guy, and a carrier pigeon. Yeah. And the constant being K gained bandwidth, and then that's as far as I can take this. So <laughs> I'll just leave this to you now. Dr. Reed got 10 words in the whole thing. That's there right. There you go. So the idea is you want to communicate, right? Two parties want to communicate. Depends. Well, let's say you do, right? So the assumption is you actually want to send the message between two, two parties, right? Slamming a door. Sometimes sending a message. But in, in Game of Thrones land, what they tend to do when they want to send a message is they write a little piece of paper and they tie it to a bird, like a raven or, or I guess if we want to do Harry Potter, we could do like the owls or whatever they do, right? Or maybe they, classically, I suppose, in the real world, we use carrier pigeons, right? But the idea is you want to send the message. So you go write this little message in and you can tie it to something and you can send it. Another way you can send the message is you can send the dude on a horse, right? So you can write a really big message now because the dude can carry a big message, whereas the bird can carry a little message. But you see, the bird can go a lot further than the dude on the horse, right? And of course, the final way is is that you can just run over to the person you want to talk to and just talk to them real fast, in which case you can, in the same amount of time as they would, or the same compactness, right, of the message, you can study as much as you want, right? So there's this thing called gain bandwidth product in uh, communication theory, which basically says that The more gain you have, the less bandwidth you have and vice versa. Because when you multiply those two numbers together, you get the same constant. And that constant is sort of determined sort of by like the level of technology of the universe, right? Is that unity? Yeah, sort well, I suppose you could say it's either unity or infinity because it's unity for any given amount of time because you could divide both sides of the equation by K and then you get unity on one side. Uh, You could say it's infinity because if you look at the history of the world overall, that K increases, right? So if Game of Thrones were to actually continue so far as to say we get cell phones, that the level of technology has changed, so K has gone up, 
right? But assuming that you're at one state of technology, 1K, right? Then you can either have a really short, small message and go a really long distance. The carrier pigeon. The pigeon, the bird. You, the, the bird can't right. carry a book. Right. It's got a little thing on its ankle. You can have a medium weight, medium sized, medium length message and go to medium distance. Paul Revere. That would be the dude with the horse. Or you can have a massive message and you can go a really short distance. That would be you running your ass across the street and to go and talk to somebody, right? So there you go. So that's kind of what gain bandwidth product means as related to Game of Thrones, right? The most simplistic way to break down the scientific side of, uh, of that very complex uh, equation that you did very well. So thank you. So now, how does this apply to uh, wi- wireless technologies today, or I guess Samsung networks today, right? It's actually pretty simple if you think about it, right? The dude that's running across the street, that's WLAN tech. That's short distance, really high bandwidth. The bird with the small message, that's WAN tech. That's macrocellular tech. That's the carrier giant network that's nationwide where on a tower you can go 10 miles, mm-hmm. right? But the, the actual total bandwidth is less. And the thing in the middle, the dude with the horse, Paul Revere, that's CBRS on-go private LTE tech, mm. right? And so these three technologies must coexist, right? Would it be more... I don't. I don't know that it's just exclusive. I don't know it's exclusively CBRS. It's really all the sub six license bands. Sure, would be your yeah. would be that more nationwide type of cellular area yes. WAN network, and then your carrier pigeon. Well, that's your carrier pigeons. Right. Your short big traffic. That's going to be what we're being introduced to with millimeter wave. That everybody's pretty fired up about, but can only go so far. Right. So uh, in the case of the giant carrier network with 5G, what we're doing is we're introducing right new kinds of, of tech and radios so that you can have that higher bandwidth, right? But at this, by doing that, you're sacrificing the range of it. Right. Right? Mm-hmm. So in the 5G spec, when you talk about those millimeter wave type radios, the 30 gigahertz plus type bands that, that operates on, you know, that's great. It'll work great as long as you don't step, you know, inside a building, first of all, because there's another problem that you have to deal with, which is skin depth, right? So when you have a very high frequency signal, essentially it will bounce off of a- absolutely anything, right? right? Including like... Well, that's how we get to beam forming, <laughs> right? So, and yes, you know, we could potentially have uh, unbelievably cool tech on the antenna side to electronically steer an array in order to overcome some of these, right? But fundamentally, when you have something operate in the 30 gigahertz type range, right, or, or above that, the quarter wave of that is so small that anything becomes a reflector. Like it, you get total or total reflection, you get like bounces over anything. And so penetrating even, you know, un... Uh, even regular glass, like not even the non-radiation glass, becomes extremely difficult. Even with an electronically steerable array, right? You're going to have very extreme amounts of difficulty going through anything, right? So the millimeter wave is an excellent thing. Why? Everyone wants more bandwidth. So it's obviously a great thing that we put it there, right? The thing that I think people are sort of forgetting is, is that 
by doing that, that doesn't solve all problems, right? So it's impossible for you to solve all communication problems with one tech. And that's what the whole gain bandwidth product thing that I talk about with respect to this, why it's so important. You know, you go back to Game of Thrones. You can't solve all the communications problems with one thing. You can't just do it with the birds. You can't just do it with the poll reviewers. And you can't just send a dude to run across the street. It doesn't matter if you think you got it solved. You don't. The science tells you otherwise, right? So having a ecosystem, a diversity of different kinds of radio tech is extremely important to be able to cover all these use cases, mm-hmm. right? And similarly, that's why, you know, WLAN tech, which currently is Wi-Fi, right, is essentially never going to go away. Now, you might change to a different standard. You might call it something else. Maybe at some point, everyone will finally give up backward compatibility with their WLAN devices. That might be kind of rough. But let's say you do, right? There's still going to be WLAN tech versus WLAN tech. It's always going to be there. Just like in Game of Thrones world, there's always going to be the bird, there's always going to be the horse, and there's always going to be the dude that you can go beat on and make him run across the street, right? Well, you know, if you look at the 5G standards, they very much account for WLAN as well as the sub-6, the mid-bands, mm-hmm. as well as millimeter wave. And even, you know, fairly aggressively introducing new bands, both on the unlicensed and the licensed mm-hmm. side. Yeah. Now, as we're accelerating through all of these different spectrum working together with devices, mm-hmm. right, you're on that side of the house to open up different use cases and really engineer the best resources from from a radio perspective. Absolutely, right? I mean, that's why it's part of the spec, right? And maybe we can at some point do better, like I said, do better than, you know, the Wi-Fi standard that we have. But one of the huge problems that I think we're going to forever run into is the, the cost issue, right? So when you have these high gain, low bandwidth kind of worlds, right? The macro cell type world, right? Those radios cost X. And those radios will always cost an X that's bigger than the cost of the WLAN tech. That's just the way it works, right? There is never, ever going to be a possible way where if you press the the cost down of the macrocellular radios, where you're not also pressing the cost down of the WLAN radios. And this is the same thing as why it's a K. Why is K there? Because, well, you increase one, you decrease the other, you get a K, right? So when you're saying you're going to do better, that means you've changed K. So the level of technology has gone up, right? So the level of technology, the whole world's gone up, which means that now, you know, the macrocellular stuff gets better. You know what that immediately means? That means the WLAN stuff is going to get better. That's the way this works, Mm -hmm. right? So the fact that you can all of a sudden have an industry where you can produce gallium arsenide chips at low cost, which is what's going to drive us to be able to have proliferation of millimeter wave technology everywhere, which is what's going to drive us to have 5G everywhere at those high bandwidth, is also going to drive the capability to have WLAN tech operate at millimeter wave as well. And yes, there are ISM bands unlicensed ISM bands in the millimeter wave range. There's no radios that you can buy out there for cheap yet. But what we did in building up the tech to go and make the millimeter wave 5G stuff is essentially we built a whole industry up that's going to go and do that, right? So by changing K, 
right? Oh, yes, 5G, it is great, and it's going to be better. It's going to do all these things. This is true. But by building up the industry to make that true, you've also instantaneously changed what's possible with the other forms of gain and bandwidth that will end up at the same K. High tide floats all ships. Okay. This is true. I think uh, it also kind of dovetails into one of the other conversations we're having about myths. And this is one of the things I love to dispel about uh, about myths and technology and that this was that Wi-Fi was going to go away because of 5G. Yeah, that's like, and you know, anyone that's saying that has doesn't understand science. That's like saying, you know, that the, the way that you calculate the third side of a triangle is not with Pythagoras or that gravity doesn't exist. You know what I mean? It's just like... There are theorems that you derive from axioms in all forms of sciences, right? right? And communication theory is a form of science. And we accept the axioms there. You do the math. You end up with gain bandwidth product. Making a blanket statement like Wi-Fi is going away, which is essentially saying WLAN tech is going away, is essentially saying that gain bandwidth product is not true. And that's false. Impossible. Right? And the world will fall apart. Like, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> it's Universal truths paradoxes you would unleash hell on earth all right so we were um nerd point we were talking about cbrs specifically right. and we got to talking about push to talk radios and that mm-hmm. was one place where you noted that k changed yes absolutely so if i take uh push to talk right what i see is is that i can transmit uh over a, a a push-to-talk spectrum, right, a voice communication by encoding that voice on the carrier wave in a certain way. And what I've done is I've changed the encoding. Instead of encoding the voice that way, what I'm going to do is I'm going to encode it in data packets as that whatever. Or I'm going to take that away entirely, and I'm going to encode the voice as voice over IP, and I'm going to send only IP packets, right? So this is a change in coding, right? So is I got this still scroll. 729? Is it still 729? Well, I, I think that... If we're talking about using CBRS to replace PTT, we've actually changed frequencies at that point, right? Because the the uh, the CBRS stuff runs at like what three point three point five five or something like that, right? Yeah. So uh, the actual frequency in that case has changed, but that's largely because of a regulatory issue, right? What hasn't changed is the way that we use it. The fact that we can use it for a mid-range mid-bandwidth kind of a delivery mechanism, right? So it fits on the gain bandwidth product scale in between the WLAN tech and the WLAN tech, right? So why is CBRS important? Why is private LT important? Because you see gain bandwidth product tells us that we need the guy on the horse, right? Not every communication need is filled with the bird, not every communication need is filled with running across the street. The bird is awfully expensive. Do you ever see how they get those birds to go? You know, they tell the birds where they're home, right? Then they put them in cages and they get some dude to like ride a horse all the way someplace else. Man, that bird's expensive. That's an expensive bird. That's hurt, right? So it's the same thing here, right? When you're building these kinds of ultra long range things, right? That's expensive, really expensive. Mm-hmm. And then running across the street, that's pretty cheap. <coughs> you just go beat the guy with a stick, make him run, it's good. Right? The horse is somewhere right in between. And that's CBRS. That's why it's so important. That's why it's so untapped. Because we have all of these deployments of WLAN tech, and a lot of it doesn't really work very well. 
Anytime you do WLAN tech outdoors, you're messing with your gain bandwidth product. Why does Wi-Fi fail outdoors so often? Science tells us. The gain bandwidth product for WLAN tech tells us that it's for short range, high bandwidth. What we're doing, we're taking that same thing and making it longer range. And then just saying, oh, well, we'll just go use it. Is that gonna work right? No, the science told us it doesn't. Right, what's, what's amazing about CBRS is that that's finally someone coming about saying that, oh, you know, I understand what this means and I'm gonna build a product specifically for that, right? I know I need the horse to carry the mid-range message with a medium kind of payload. And mm. that replacement for push to talk with the data band on it and all of that, that's what makes that magical. And when you introduce the data band to that, Ray, now you're getting into push to X. Mm -hmm. What are some of the X things that you could do? Discounting that uh, reads a millennial, so X is not something he totally understands. I well, regret ever telling you that. <laughs> Just for the record. That he's a millennial? He's I found out the other day that I'm technically in the millennial generation. I made the cutoff, so there's that. By like five years? You, you made the cutoff <laughs> by five years? No, I made the cutoff on like the year that it was. Uh, so I'm not Generation X, even though I thought I was. So all my... All my complaints were all your youth. It's actually self-loathing. I didn't realize. <laughs> Probably because you're hanging around people that are right. five years younger. So that's you know. Did you ever hear a modem go? I did. Yeah, See, I remember the old dial-up. Like I don't think you can truly say, no matter what they say about your age or not, right? If you heard the modem thing, mm -hmm. you heard them squelching, negotiating. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can be a millennial. I don't think you can be. And definitely not Gen Z, but. Oh, not the fact that you couldn't, couldn't hear it, but the fact that you were at the right age to be able exactly. to hear it. Exactly. Okay, right. now I get you. Because now. I remember dial very well. You know, w people will obviously, you know, like to say, oh, if you're this age, you're part of what generation, right? But from right. a technology perspective, different people got involved in this stuff at different ages, right? I just say if your Google address has a number in it, then you're a millennial. And if your Google address does not have a number in it, right. then likely you were. I do not have any numbers in my Gmail. Or maybe go. you could be an honorary Gen X. There we go. <laughs> There's I a the, test. Yeah, I remember the punch card computers. You remember those? Those like old school computers that like had the cards with the holes in it. Yes, mm -hmm. it's because he went to a museum to, to see those. Right? That's that is true. <laughs> that was in GC. And no, no, I just remember they had one in my principal's office. That it was an office I spent too much time in as a child. Um, but I do remember it very distinctly. It was, it was a very large machine. No, but Jason, to your to your point about what we're seeing is, and maybe you can cover this a little bit as well, is this. Folks are wanting to get away from their traditional radio, right? Absolutely. You have, you have airlines that, you know, are, it's expensive. You have airlines. You can only do one thing. You can only do one thing. Um, it only goes a certain distance. Uh, you can't, you know, send any more information than just voice, right? So there's a lot of issues with that, but it's also very expensive because you have to have somebody come in and create a tower and create that network for you. And yes, you can have handoff, and yes, you can have these, you know, other things. But this is an area where everything from public safety to airline to retail, um, where push to talk radio 
just isn't working or isn't as effective as it should be anymore. And they're wanting it to be a, I'll call it a smart push-to-talk right. device, right? That can do more, that can scan a barcode, that can look up product, that can, you know. Push do, video. Push video, do, do, and do AR on top of everything. Mm. You know? uh, well, how would you use AR? Uh, within a retail? Sure. Sure, okay. So. Or Game of Thrones, whichever you want. <laughs> where I think that, um, especially within the 5G spectrum, historical AR, you're having to build that entire catalog of imagery on the actual application on the device. Okay. So that application could be 300 megabytes, right? Because you're, uh, I'll take a, a grocery store, for instance. That grocery store has how many thousands of products on its shelves, right? It's a lot, yeah. And so in order to use AR, you have to load every single image of every single cereal box and milk carton and everything else into somewhere. And historically, you've had to do that on an application that sits on a device, Okay. right? But now, if you can offload some of that activity, the actual application can be lightweight. All it's doing is grabbing an image, grabbing text, sending it through the cloud, and having something that's either sitting on the edge or sitting somewhere that has a good response time. And that entire, I'll call it Wikipedia of information, right? This Wikipedia of, of imagery and, and text. Now you're offloading that processing off of the device and the device is just a capture mechanism. So now you can walk through, and, and the, great ex the greatest example is you might be um, allergic to nuts or weed allergy or whatever, and you can use your phone and, and hold up, and, and, and instead of having to read the ingredients on every single box, now you can have an AR overlay that says, stay away from these 10 products. Hmm. These 10 products would put you in the hospital, right? Or, it's good to know. Or whatever, right? That's a very important thing, especially you you earlier were talking about your daughter. She has uh, celiacs. Yeah. And so to be able to like hold your phone up and know immediately if something's going to be a, a, a deterrent yeah. to her health. Well, it, especially for fantastic. somebody like her, you know, yeah. it took a lot of micromanaging when she was younger mm -hmm. to keep her away from things. If she now has a tech in her hand that she could just scan it and say, all right, yeah, I can't. I can't have that bag of chips, but I can have this one. She could self-manage. Yeah. And the greatest thing at a younger age, and as she builds that muscle memory, yeah. becomes more efficient. And the greatest thing about it is you don't have to update that app, right? So you're, you think about your phone right now, and but any what, food's updated, right? But the catalog isn't. So, so I'm saying, what I'm saying is the catalog itself. Um, historically, you had to download a new application because the food was updated because there's something new on the shelf. But now if you remove the catalog from the application layer and you put it in the cloud, now anybody can upload a new image or a new text and your application on the phone stays the same. So now you, know, you don't have to feel like you're out of date. Now you don't have to feel like you know, you're going into a grocery store and you see that product on the shelf and it says, I don't recognize that. I have to update the app and I have to go through all that process. Yeah, that's huge. Well, especially because now you can have the most updated information at all times if your device is literally just a conduit to something else, to, mm -hmm. that, to that library, that wiki, then you don't physically have to have that updated. That's actually on somebody else. So as soon as something is getting brought into that store, they can actually have that catalog before it even gets into the store. Right. So that way you don't ever have that lag time. That's a, that's a big deal. And you, 
calorie count. Imagine going to the grocery store and you know you're on a keto diet or something, and just being able to say, yes, these are the products that are okay for keto or celiac disease or whatever. Or you pick up a box that says keto friendly, and you start right. reading the ingredients, and you're like, no, it's not, not real. Not so much. No, not so much. Yeah, that would be great. <laughs> and just I have this image in my mind of my wife seeing this one who's a nutritionist and Got saying, it. I hate keto, I hate keto, your macronutrients, blah, blah, blah. Why does she hate keto? Let's get into that. Um, you want to call her? No. <laughs> <laughs> There'll be a lot of bleeping out. For Is keto. he not helping? Keith? Uh, uh, for, for short periods of time, she'll tell you it's okay at yeah. kickstarting, mm-hmm. but long term, there's things that you're not taking in that mm-hmm. you, your body needs. Essential nutrients, mm-hmm. iodine. Uh, I'm not the nutritionist. Magnesium. My AR at home is whatever she tells me I can eat, I'm cool. I just, I do what I'm told. When you're in that grocery store, mm-hmm. there's all different kinds of uh, wireless technology that could be put in play. WLAN technology, you have Ongo coming into the fold, which is going to give you better range. Uh, it could be a private network. You also have cell signal, either what's penetrating in the sub six bands from outside or small cells on the, in the LTE world. Uh, eventually, we'll get there in the 5G world. So is there any, from the device perspective, it's fairly agnostic, which one it's using, or is there something that's more appropriate? So something that's brand new is a term that I just learned, which was volumetric imagery, right? Is this okay. the, the camera on the yeah. uh, on the ten? Exactly. So I was actually bringing, I was gonna I was gonna try to figure out a really smooth way to seg to like segue into this, and I couldn't think of one. So this is great. This is the coolest camera. So you, if you guys don't know about this, this is really pretty freaking amazing. So time of flight is the distance between the camera itself and the object that it's capturing. Right. Okay. So, so, how long does it take to get there? So, great example. Um, think about uh, conference calling. Your your WebEx. Right. Mm-hmm. So you've probably been on some of those, and you've noticed that somebody um, has their camera on, but behind them there's a whiteboard filled with stuff, you know, written down that probably they don't want that audience to be able to see. So. In addition with time of flight, you can identify that the subject, I'll call it the person on the call, is closest to the camera and everything else is further away. So taking that technology as an example and being able to blur out the background for this web call can create a new level of privacy when it's web calling. I want to see you. I want to see your reactions. I want to see what's going on with you. But you might not want me to see your messy kitchen sink and your dishes piling up because you're working from home, or you might be in your office with a whiteboard behind you and you have some you know, private information on or there. Or I'm working from home, but I'm really on the beach. Yes. <laughs> Green screening in, kind of like an office environment behind you, you know, those kinds of things. Where are right? all those seagulls coming from? Right. But, but it's that kind of, um, that, that's one la- layer of, of time of flight and, and the use for that. Okay. But then you take another another portion for volumetric imagery, and this is why it's actually pretty cool for 5G in, I'll say, like a concert hall, right, where you don't have the, the problem with, you know, walls and beams and everything else, right? And then you do have this open box space, 
And let's say that um, Reed and I uh, are at a, at a concert together, but we're sitting a, f- a few you know s- seats apart. We both have it's the a same Hanson concert. Yeah, Hanson. Yep. Uh, mm. I thought you were more Britney Spears, but okay. <laughs> Hanson, hardcore Hanson. <laughs> but uh, but we both have the same application, and we start. You know, if you've noticed, if you've gone to a concert lately, everybody's cell phone is up. Yeah. Right. It used to be, you know, everybody was enjoying it. Now everybody's reposting and, you know, putting it on social media. And so imagine if Reed has one angle and I have another angle. And Jason, you even have, you don't even know us. And you have a third angle. And so these cameras are able to then capture because of volumetric imagery, because of time of flight, because of understanding 3D technology, being able to put together that particular 3D image of Britney Spears that Reed really loves. Handsome. (laughs) And be able to (laughs) present this in a a brand new way, right? So now social media and sharing that experience completely changes. Now you're actually, it feels like you're there, right? And imagine if it wasn't just the three of us. Imagine if it was 500 of us Mm -hmm. or 1,000 of us doing this and you've seen those commercials where they're stitching together old cities and you know stuff like that yeah this is something real and today you know not something from you know ancient you know hundred thousand whatever years ago yeah imagine a football game that way yeah saints and rams at pass interference non-call imagine baseball where you can actually identify where the ball actually was because you're able to 3D rotate that batter and understand exactly that that umpire really did not see that pitch. He's really got an expanded strike zone. Yeah. Okay. We'll wrap up this last one for a couple minutes. Right. Well, we're talking about the camera thing, and I, uh, it's like a really, the time of flight camera, what was it called? The volume metric? Volumetric imagery. Volumetric imagery. It's pretty awesome. Uh, It's a huge thing that the sales teams and the world needs to be aware of. So I feel like without getting too much in the weeds specifically mm-hmm. for sales, but um, it's a it's like a it's a pretty big deal, and it's something that we obviously need to be talking about a ton. It's a huge differentiator for us right now. When I brought it up with a carrier just on that phone, they're like, "What? You can do that?" And they're the ones that to- that educated me about the mm-hmm. you know the terminology. Mm-hmm. And then I went to go research it, and I was like, "Oh, that's because okay. couldn't you like like point your camera?" At that water bottle, and it will tell you exactly how much fluid is in it. Uh, like there's some other uh, p- kind of unique use yeah. cases that I was reading about. Well, like the, the that was a leading question. You're supposed to say yes, because <laughs> I know the answer was yes. <laughs> the technology so they is, call leading is the witness there. when you're is, is the almost trial. there. No, the the example is the back to the grocery store. You'll have two boxes of Frosted Flakes next to each other. Right, and with volumetric Im- imagery, you don't have to rely on just Tony being on the on the cover. You can now say this is the family size, this is the regular size, and that's the other part about you know not uh, having volumetric imagery understand that that portion, right? So can we do it with Lucky Charms? Okay. Mm-hmm. So anyway, that camera, pretty cool. Image-based rendering. That's actually, I think, the academic term for that. What is it? So the academic term for it is called IBR, or image-based rendering. And the, traditionally, the, the economic factor that limited the application of IBR is the availability of the sensors. 
because traditionally the way IBR works is that you have to go and supply a sensor array, similar to the way that you build you know, a steerable antenna or any of those things, right? You go and you acquire a massive array of optical sensors or cameras mm -hmm. or something like that, and then that's how you do the IBR, right? So you go and you build like a 64 camera array, right? You move mm -hmm. that array through space, and then when you have the result of that, you can do you know, the, the software on the back end to create a rendering at any angle, at any you know, position of the subject that you captured using your array. Right? Mm -hmm. So all we're talking about doing really is the fact that the array is essentially free. But the, right? the, because it's built and in. And I still love it every time he says, all we're doing. All we're doing. <laughs> can we put like the S10 5G to like, coat a NASCAR in them? And then drive it around the track super fast, and then just capture the imaging around that. So just like at 200 miles an hour, you could just be in VR, just looking anywhere you wanted to. Is that possible with that camera? Anything's possible. That would be a really cool experience. I think, technically speaking, following what we're talking about here, you would need like about six of them. But if mm -hmm. you had six of them inside the car mm -hmm. uh, in a fixed position, like you know, on six sides of a hexagon. And then you draw it like that. Then, uh, if you had GPS position, then you could, using that data set, mm -hmm. IBR your way into anything. Mm -hmm. I like think maybe a different car. More practical <laughs> would be cool. one phone acting as a networking hub mm -hmm. to six additional cameras that are positioned on the car to a 5G network mm -hmm. so you can broadcast mm -hmm. VR in real time live. Mm -hmm. So while the race is going on, mm -hmm. ride with your favorite driver. Mm -hmm. That would be pretty amazing. I also just wanted to see a car coated in S10s. I think mm -hmm. it'd be really cool looking. <laughs> so that was right. my, other, my other reason. It might change the weight mm -hmm. a little bit. Yeah, and the aerodynamics. The crumple zone. Them. Yeah. Most likely. Imagine getting a fender bender in that thing, right? Like, uh, well, it's like the the the, com, the Tom Cruise movie with yeah. Days of Days Thunder. of Thunder. Days of Thunder. Robin is yep. racing. I don't yep. know if that works so well with S10s on the Yeah. Covers. Maybe with a fold because it's bendable. It could be. There you go. There you or go. a bendable OLED wrapped around the car. Mm -hmm. So the advertising is dynamic. You could bid in real time. I want the number forty-two car to now have Lucky Charms on it because mm -hmm. it's in the front of the race. Mm -hmm. So technically, you wouldn't even need a display on that, right? With IBR tech, you can actually change the the uh, the logo on the car mm -hmm. depending on the viewer. You know what I mean? Well, if the viewer is a passenger, oh, you want to change? Yeah, th th then you need that. If you had, if you were watching, TV. if you were yeah. watching analytics on this for everybody that's VR, whoever is in the whoever's got the most popular driver, and you have more people watching from that cockpit of that car by the advertising on the car in front or behind or really in front whatever's in that view and that's what people are seeing because they're not going to see the outside of their own car that they're sitting in mm -hmm. and you could dynamically bid on that and gamify your advertising Pretty real incredible. time. Can you imagine that? That's going to happen in the future. NASCARs, <laughs> those cars are going to just be wrapped with displays, and you're just going to be able to, in real time, update it depending on who's in the lead. There's, your, there's your revenue, NASCAR, not that you don't have enough already. <laughs> I'm sure they would tell you a button. they could use more. So, uh, so you're bullish on CBRS. I'm very bullish on CBRS because it fits right in where we have this massive hole. 
right? We've all been in the situation where we've tried to take WLAN tech and make its range higher than what it was designed for. And gain bandwidth tells us, product tells us that that's not gonna happen. You need like a different kind of a thing. And we've all been in the situation where we've taken WAN, macrocellular tech, and we've tried to squeeze it down. Every single one of us has done that. And you know what happens when we try to do that? We're like, I got no signal inside this building. So then I go and I try to put a DAS in the building and a DAS in the building costs like gazillion dollars, right? Why? We have a gain bandwidth product issue. And so having CBRS available, you know, having it fill that middle, I think, you know, that solves a gazillion problems. Anyone that's running a private network right now that's pushed to talk or anything like that at the mid-range who has ever considered, hey, maybe I can do Wi-Fi for this and, you know, as maybe even tried and failed or, you know, was thinking about that, CBRS is the answer for them. And, you know, it fits so beautifully in there. It's the only thing that I really would say is a shame is that we didn't have this years ago. Instead, we've been languishing in this world of these bizarre PTT systems forever, you know, and uh, they're all due for a refresh. So that's what I think is going to happen. We're going to refresh them all to these CBRS systems. That's going to be great. So science matters. Turns out science matters. Flying cars. Should have paid attention in school. Math does not change. It's It's universal. So that's probably good enough for this segment of Science Matters. Recalibrate. Thanks for being here, Ray. Thank you. Dr. Simon. Dr. Reed. Bye. Thanks for listening to this episode of Recalibrate. For previous and upcoming episodes or for more of our content, you can head to samsungnetworks.com or you can find our podcast on Apple Podcasts and Spotify.